0: Folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Wednesday night as I'm recording this. Uh, I had an abnormal time for some. Usually, I record on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, but now I am abbreviating things to Monday and Thursday for the at least the next few weeks to really discuss. Uh, the fact that, hey, there's there's just not a lot going on at this stage of the game. And I think that knocking it down to, to two podcasts a week makes sense. I've already spoken about this, though. You guys already know. So let us just move past that and get right into some of the stuff that we're going to talk about. The NBA at the beginning of the week, uh, they floated some stuff about the schedule and then they released some national TV games, things like that, some of the, uh, some of the important stuff Uh, For season opener, uh, Christmas, they're they're doing a staggered release. The rest of the schedule will be released on Friday, but they we did get some tidbits and we did get the preseason schedule. We got the season opener that Denver will have, uh, given that it's on national TV, and we also got the Christmas Day slate, which is five games, uh, ten teams, goes all throughout the day. The Nuggets have been on Christmas each of the past two years have been 0-2, they don't have Jamal Murray. And so you under, it'd be understandable, I think, that they don't hop on there. Uh, but instead of picking the Nuggets, the NBA picked the Jazz, and they picked uh, the Celtics, and they had the Hawks and the Knicks are playing each other. It just, there's, there's a lot of weird stuff. Uh, obviously, like, you've got the East and Western Conference thing where it sometimes makes sense to balance those things out a little bit more for market purposes. You're going to want to get in a bunch of different teams due to market, uh, but the Nuggets have the MVP, and I'm just sort of surprised that even without Jamal Murray, even with Denver struggles on uh, Christmas each of the past two years, that they don't get an opportunity to go on the, this year. Uh, they've always been a team that's been that struggled to be featured for long periods of time as many nuggets fans know and so it's just kind of surprising that they didn't get a christmas day game this year i'm not really complaining i'm just more fake mad on the internet because is the team that i cover this is the team that matters to me uh, but for my personal thing like i i'll be able to hang out with my family on christmas for most of that time and after going to games and and being out for a long periods of time and just going through that normal schedule, it's it's nice to have Christmas off, but it's also nice sometimes to uh, get the Christmas schedule, get that, that showcase, because a lot of times that's when people cast their MVP votes. It's on those national games, and so that's why it matters so much when Nicole Jokic isn't on national TV, or people don't get to see Jamal Murray's rise to stardom, or Michael Porter's rise to stardom. People don't necessarily see that, and then in the brief times when they might see them, as opposed to having just several ample opportunities to really figure them out. If they catch them on the wrong day, then it really sets the wrong narrative. So fortunate for Denver that Nikola Jokic was just so dominant in his MVP race this past time that it didn't really matter. But that might not happen again this year. And it might be a little bit different. So It's fine. Uh, The the games that they're doing this year, I'm pretty sure, are Hawks-Knicks, Celtics-Bucks, Warriors-Suns, Nets-Lakers, and Mavericks-Jazz. The two that are a little bit off-putting, I think, are there are three kind of off-putting ones. You've got the Knicks and the Hawks. It's basically a rematch of a first-round series from last year. And the Knicks kind of like they they're they're the Knicks. That's the reason why they're on national TV. Um, The Celtics and the Bucks doesn't really make much sense. The Celtics aren't in the, the same stratosphere as, as a lot of the teams that are playing on national TV. Uh, But the, again, they're in Boston. They're in an Eastern Conference media market, Uh, which there's a lot of benefits there. And then the Mavericks Jazz, and and I kind of sort of flamed the Jazz fans and and the Jazz themselves on Twitter earlier this week. Uh, They don't deserve a Christmas Day game. What are we talking about here? Like, if winning matters, then Denver would have been involved in this. They were, they had the sixth most wins in the NBA, and they also have the MVP which you don't win the MVP award unless you win. So a lot of Jazz fans that are saying, oh, yeah, no, that's that's definitely the the reason why the Jazz are are in there is because they're a great team. No, you're not a great team. You won the most games in the regular season and then were stood up by the Jazz and Paul George and a bunch of uh, role players, basically, which good for them. The Nuggets also lost, but they lost to a full-strength Phoenix Suns team. So, whatever. Uh, But you also see the opponent there, and it's Luka Doncic and the Mavericks. And I, I can't for the life of me think that the Mavericks and Luka are any more interesting than the Nuggets and Joker. Uh. I don't know if the Mavericks have been on Christmas before, and so maybe that's the reason. Maybe they're just putting on Luka for additional time. But it certainly feels like the NBA has picked and chosen Luka Doncic over Nikola Jokic, kind of in their, their entire branding uh, over the course of the past several years. Uh, everybody was quick to anoint Luka for obvious reasons. He's an excellent elite player. Uh, he got the, the FaceTime for NBA 2K22. Uh, he's the, the cover athlete for that. Not that any of this stuff really matters, but you're either in the club or you're not. And to me, it seems like Nikola Jokic is not really in the club yet, despite the fact that he's won, despite the fact that he's done really well. And Luka Doncic is in the club, despite the fact that he has not been out of the first round yet. So, it's a little bit weird. It's a little bit different. Uh, Obviously, Luka's awesome, and I'm not trying to berate Luka specifically. But yeah, the Jazz and the Mavericks, it's just a very weird thing that's going on here. Either way, uh, Denver is going to open the season against the Phoenix Suns on... Wednesday, October 20th. They'll be on the road, and that is going to be an interesting game. Going to be some revenge for uh, the Nuggets, but the Suns will also be hungry because they just lost the NBA title. They have unfinished business. So, going to be an interesting one. I wish Jamal Murray was going to be healthy for that one because he kills the the Suns more often than not. So, going to be interesting to see. Uh, Will be interesting to see how Denver has evolved Uh, Since then and and what they're what the because they basically brought back the same cast other than Jeff Green and Bones Highland. So going to be interesting to see how they do. Uh, But preseason before that, Denver's first game in preseason, I believe, is October 4th. Uh, Training camp before that opens up on September 28th. So these things are kind of moving quickly. Uh, That's about six weeks away. And it's pretty scary that things have have moved that fast. Though we are going to go through a dead period now and people are going to get bored and there's going to be a lot of people yelling at Twitter for various things. uh, This is going to move pretty fast. Uh, And so I hope the Nuggets can get the rest that they deserve. I hope Nicole Jokic is getting the rest that he needs and that he's ready and then the entire team is ready to go. At the outset, because the worst thing that Denver could do uh, as the schedule release is about to happen in full on Friday, given that Jamal Murray is out for the first at least 45-50 games, is if they get a really tough schedule and they're not ready for it, and then you go down in a hole and you get into like the eighth or the seventh seed, and you're potentially in the play-in game. Uh, because when Jamal comes back, you're still trying to work him in. You're still trying to figure that out. Denver's going to be, they're going to have to be paying attention to the schedule more so than other teams, I think, because they've, they've got a lot riding on what is about to happen. So, will be interesting to see. Uh, I'm not really worried, per se, but so much of this so much of the entire season uh from what i like you have to be healthy you have to be active you have to understand how every game matters if you want to win in the regular season if you don't want to win in the regular season then this stuff doesn't necessarily matter as much but it is interesting to think about i think and depending on what denver's goals are if the if it's still to get a top 4 seed and have home court advantage, which they can absolutely do, they're going to have to come out ready. They're going to have to uh, have a favorable schedule. It doesn't necessarily work unless you have it. So, Either way, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about a couple extensions that haven't happened yet. Uh, I promise this will be the last time that I bring it up before like we actually approach the season. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you could, it would be awesome if you could rate, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Be interested in hearing where you guys listen. Uh, I have some – I have my listener data, but uh, interested in always hearing where people are consuming and what we could do better to improve the pod and make it the best possible experience that we can. Uh, That'll be cool. That'll be awesome. So make sure to let me know if you can. Okay, I promised at the at the end of last segment that I would not bring this up again, uh, because I feel like I'm the only one who really is bringing it up in Denver media right now, and there are reasons why that is. Uh, I'm a little bit like, I'm just sort of surprised that. These extensions haven't happened yet. And I'm talking about Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon. Now, I'm not not really surprised that the Aaron Gordon hasn't happened yet. Uh, I'm not expecting it. The deadline for that is the beginning of the season. And these types of extensions, the veteran extensions, uh, unless there are specific circumstances, uh, they don't generally happen during the middle of the free agency period. Uh, unless there's something specific, like Marcus Smart just got his extension from the Boston Celtics. And he probably went to Boston and said, Hey, look, you guys just traded Kemba Walker. You traded, uh, you lost Evan Fournier. You traded for Josh Richardson to try to really firm that up. But realistically, that's not a great scenario. So Marcus Smart went to the Boston Celtics and was like, I'm tired of being in trade talks. This is how I imagine it, because he's always in trade talks. They're always talking about upgrading the team around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. If there's leverage to be had there, then a player will try to agree to something. So I think that, like, and Marcus Markey agreed to a four-year, $77 million extension, which was basically, it was the max he could get on his veteran extension based off of the, the number that he had at the end of his contract this past year or this, this coming year. So Aaron Gordon's kind of in the same boat. They're in the same draft class. Aaron Gordon was drafted fourth overall, Marcus Smart sixth overall. They each signed four year deals, uh, four year extensions, I think. Um, actually there were deals. I'm pretty sure. And when they signed those, uh, they've basically lived out very similar trajectories. Although Marcus Smart's probably a little bit better, uh, Aaron Gordon still fills that same supporting cast, very important niche role in any team that he plays for. That's uh, why the Orlando Magic held on to him for so long. There are very few people that can do what Aaron Gordon at least projects to be able to do on a contender and what the Nuggets got a brief glimpse of before Jamal Murray got hurt, Denver was able to leverage so much of the playmaking and shooting and passing and dynamic ability of their big three that Aaron Gordon at that point was playing the best basketball of his career. And that's valuable, and you have to pay for it. And I think that what we've seen from guys like Zeke Naji and Vlaco Chanchar and Paul Millsap and that like for Denver specifically they have very very limiting circumstances with the big 3 that they are building Murray, Porter, Jokic because the the offense is less important and you you have to have players that do the specific things that Gordon does and it's hit the occasional spot up it's be willing to cut to the rim and rebound and not necessarily handle the ball that often other players can do that What other players mostly can't do is match up with the best big wings in the NBA, and that's LeBron James, that's Kawhi Leonard, players like that. And so Aaron Gordon's skill set is valuable, at least in theory, at least what we're talking about here. And so he's going to be holding out for an extension too. Marcus Smart just got an extension for year 77, but that was the max that he could be given. Aaron Gordon he might be looking at a guy like Harrison Barnes who from a couple seasons ago was traded to the Sacramento Kings and then negotiated an extension with them the following year or the following offseason which was about 4 years 90 million something around there the maximum money that Aaron Gordon can receive in an extension because he's a veteran because he's not a, a designated player Uh, he's not going to get a super max or anything like that. The max he can get is four years, 88 million based off of 120% of what he received or what what he's going to receive in his final year. You get 120% increase on that, and then 8% raises on top of that in each of the subsequent years. So four years, 88 million, average of about 22 million a season. You're probably thinking, that's a little high. That's probably not great. If you're Denver and you're trying to find the best way to build a sustainable contender, one that's going to be paying Nikola Jokic a lot of money and paying, hopefully, Michael Porter and Jamal Murray max money as well, you have to find ways on the fringes in order to make it work, in order to like you, st- you're still gonna have to pay the luxury tax. That's a certainty. But if you can knock that number down from twenty two million to like eighteen million, those are the margins that Denver's playing with. And so, they obviously, if if you are the Nuggets, you can't, you can't, you cannot fuss around with the details. You have a championship contender. You have a team that looks to be a, a, a championship contender. That's, that's right on the precipice. As everybody gets healthy, when everybody's ready, they're contending. That's why you re-signed Will Barton to an affordable contract, Jermichael Green to an affordable contract. That's why you brought in Jeff Green. You're going for it. So if you dilly-dally, if you don't pay up, then you're looking pretty bad. Aaron Gordon knows this. Aaron Gordon knows how to leverage what he did and what he was able to do and what he was able to show for the maximum amount of money that he's going to get. Four years, $88 million is the max he can extend for. That's probably what he's going to want. And I doubt that he wants any less than the max that he can get in an extension. He might even see himself as a more valuable player than that. But for a team like Denver, where he's pretty happy to be playing, he seems pretty happy. He seems to understand and and appreciate that value. If that's the case, then maybe he's willing to go a little bit lower, but probably not a lot. The market has been set. Guys like Davis Bertans, Harrison Barnes, uh, Marcus Smart even, We're talking about supporting pieces. They've set the market. You know what you have to pay. You know what it's going to cost. So the only question is when you do it. So I'm very curious to see when this happens and if it happens. Denver, they have until the beginning of the season in order to get this done. And the same goes with Michael Porter, who we've talked about. I've talked about this consistently. I understand why it probably gets annoying to the listener to hear it consistently, but this is the most important thing that is on Denver's mind going into the year. They don't have anything else. There's nothing else to worry about, or at least nothing else that you can really control. This is something that you can control. You can't control the speed at which Jamal Murray's rehab goes, or... Uh, I don't know. Like, there's just, there's just not a lot. You've got 15 guaranteed contracts. You've signed Marcus Howard to a two-way. You could fill the other two-way, but that doesn't, like, I think that Michael Porter and his agent are going to take this probably into the preseason, and they're going to be asking for the max, and they're going to be asking for even a player option, and Denver's going to want some injury sliders and things that can help prevent them from uh, being just in in a really tough spot. And I'm not looking forward to the consequences if it doesn't go through. We're going to have to see. We're going to have to see what happens. And... I mean, I don't have the medical information in front of me. I don't know what Michael Porter has been dealing with over the course of the past two seasons that he's played and has barely had any issues in staying on the floor. He's always been able to play. He's always played really well. He's one of the most dominant shooters that we've seen in this league. And it's just tough for me to place that given the fact that like we're still waiting here. I see him as a better player than Shea Gilgis-Alexander, or at least on that same level, on that same tier. And the Thunder took care of Shea, no fuss. Now, Denver's in a different stage of contention, which means that they have to get this decision right. But if they don't have the faith to just do it, then there's clearly something at bay. It's clearly something to think about. Now, I hope I, I hope I'm called or texted at some points, or or people just at me when he signs a five-year, one hundred and seventy-two million dollar extension, and people are like, "Ha, see, why were you worried?" And maybe that's true. Maybe I shouldn't be worried. It just seems like there's something going on. That's all I'll say. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to let's do something fun. Let's get into something fun that's a little bit different. Uh, there were some things that came out on DraftKings and some different awards, uh, odds and odds and ends and things like that 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 popped up on DraftKings. Who happened to be the sponsor of this podcast? And so. Um, I am going to go over some of those things, but if you are interested in looking at the DraftKings odds that just came out, make sure to download the app, use promo code MHS. That lets them know that you came from me, and it lets them know that I'm doing my job. Uh, I think that they have a lot of interesting props that are coming out over the course of these these next couple days that have already come out. There's MVP props, there's Defensive Player of the Year there's win totals, there's championship odds, things like that. Anything that you want as an NBA fan that's interested in learning about or or thinking about the next season. And of course, must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, which are paid out in site credits, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. pickaxe and roll ryan blackburn here thank you so much for tuning in uh, as i mentioned at the end of last segment let's get into some of these DraftKings props that have came up and then there's some futures there's some props i might go over some of these a little bit more uh with somebody else at some point uh think it would make for good banter good good podcast material uh but for now i just want to kind of go over some of the stuff and and maybe share with you some of my favorite bets uh, that have, that have come out and they're all going to be nuggets related. They're all going to be, uh, awards based. I think the best place to start is with MVP. Nikola Jokic just won. Uh, he had a very dominant performance. Didn't miss a game. The nuggets, they achieved a third seed. Jamal Murray went out in the last, uh, month of the season, basically a month and a half of the season. And Nikola Jokic was still able to hang on. Still did some great things. And it's very impressive. And DraftKings has placed his odds at repeating at plus 1500 Which basically, if you bet $100, you win $1,500. Uh, those are the seventh-ranked odds in the entire NBA. And the, the players that are ahead of him are Luka Doncic at plus 400 Joel Embiid at plus seven hundred, Kevin Durant at plus seven hundred, Giannis at plus eight hundred, Steph at eight hundred. Sorry, excuse me. A little sick. Uh, Damian Lillard at plus twelve hundred, and then Jokic and LeBron are tied at plus fifteen hundred. So, this is an interesting one. You don't normally see players repeat, and what we like, I think, a, a great example of this is James Harden. How he had to fight, scratch, claw for his MVP, and then was immediately upstaged the following year by Giannis. And he was able to repeat, but the entire narrative around that season was that LeBron James was a more deserving candidate, despite the fact that there was no statistical evidence that he should have been. So, Jokic wins it. Despite having to kind of fend off a lot of competitors, people use the injury excuse as the reason he got it, when in reality, he was the most dominant player for the entire year, and he had to fight a lot of different narratives off. But it doesn't ignore the fact that there were some injury-related reasons why the the candidacy became a little bit more clear. Embiid was one of them. Durant was one of them. LeBron was one of them. Um, uh, it sort of kind of fell into place that he was able to do it, uh, Utah Phoenix. They're more team-based than individual-based in terms of who deserves an MVP. Um, uh, the Nets had a lot of different guys than Durant was injured and there was just, and Giannis was the other, I think, really deserving candidate, the guy who probably should have been second. But he had already won twice in a row, so he kind of got pushed to the background. So this year, Doncic is the favorite. Not sure why. He's not going to be on a team that's higher than a six seed. Embiid could win it, but he has to stay healthy. Durant, same thing. Giannis and Steph are probably the guys that I would bet on if I had money to do. But Jokic has double the odds of those guys. Giannis and Steph are at plus 800. Jokic is at 1500. So if I were a betting man, I would probably split up my money between those three players. Because I think that if Steph comes back and and Clay comes back, and, and with what we saw from Steph, if he can stay healthy, still the greatest shooter we've ever seen. Giannis just came off of a He's already won two of them. There's no reason why he shouldn't be able to put up gargantuan numbers this year once again. Like No reason at all. So those would be my three picks. Giannis, Steph, Jokic. Rookie of the year is next on DraftKings and Kate Cunningham is the leading candidate at plus 250. Jalen Green just behind him at plus 275. Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, Alper and Sangoon, excuse me. Uh, you go all the way down to, um, I guess gotta, gotta keep scrolling. Oh, uh, Highland, Bones Highland is at plus eight thousand to win the award. And look, he's probably not going to win. There's a reason why he's not going to win. But given that Jamal Murray is going to be out for a significant period of time. If there's an injury to Monte Morris or Will Barton, it's very possible that, I mean, not possible, like it's at least within the realm of possibility that Bones is a little bit more ready to perform than some other rookies. And if he gets the opportunity and the playing time to do so, maybe he stands out. Maybe he helps lead a winning team as opposed to picking up uh picking up great numbers on a bad team, which is what most of these guys are going to do. Like Cade, Green, Suggs, Mobley, Scotty Barnes, Shangoon, all these guys are going to be on teams that are bad. And so that might not matter, but Lamelo Ball won it over Anthony Edwards and over uh, Tyrese Halliburton, in part because the Charlotte Hornets were better than either of those teams, and Lamelo was kind of an elevator. So maybe the same happens here. Bones isn't going to be in the spotlight all the time, and he's going to need some help. But if you're throwing, like, if you were to throw a f- a five spot on Bones Highland, let's say you bet five dollars on his plus eight thousand odds, your payout would be four hundred and five. Like, it's it's not a bad bet to make, despite the fact that it's probably not going to hit, obviously. But it's at least interesting to think about. Next award on the list, most improved player. This is the one where, I actually think this one is, despite the fact that he's the favorite, this is the one to bet on. Michael Porter Jr., plus 600. Favorite to win most improved player. That's uh, it's not something that usually happens from Denver. Uh, Michael Porter was a candidate last year. I think he finished third in the most improved player race. But it's very possible that this is the right year to bet on him. I actually would make that wager that this is the right year to bet on him because of Murray's absence, because of what Porter's going to be asked to do, because of his talent. And because I think that there's a a very strong possibility that he's going to be an all-star this year. Because if Denver's good and you've got Jokic, you know he's going to make an all-star. You know he's probably going to start the all-star game if he's any anywhere near as dominant as what he's was. If the Nuggets are still a top two or top three seed, top four even, by the time all-star voting rolls around and Porter's putting up like 24, eight, and three on a winner, if he gets an all-star nod, then he's going to be in the driver's seat for this award. And I think that that is within the realm of possibility. So much of this is about narrative. So much of this is about establishing things early. And if he breaks out and showcases what he can do early in the process, then I would honestly be shocked if he wasn't a candidate at the end of the year. Because so many of the other names on this list, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Zion Williamson, Zach Levine, uh, Jalen Brown's on here, De'Aaron Fox is on here. A lot of those guys, there's just not a ton of upward mobility in terms of what their numbers can be. So when you're looking from year to year, you're looking for big statistical jumps. Porter averaged 19 points per game. There's a possibility that he could be well beyond that in this next year. And if you see that progression, and if you see that, oh, hey, his defense has improved, if that's part of the narrative then you can absolutely justify voting on him at the end of the year. So other candidates that are on this list that are sort of interesting, Kevin Porter Jr. is on this list. Doubt that he's going to get it. Jaron Jackson Jr. is on this list. That is an interesting one. They traded away Jonas Valanciunas. So Jaron Jackson has to be a major part of what they do, and he'll be healthier. Um, So, if you're looking to kind of stagger your your bets a little bit, those are a couple guys that I would I would focus on. Like voting on voting for Zion Williamson for example, like I think that that's dumb. Think about the numbers that Zion already put up. Like just this past year in his second season. He's sort of bypassed the the range where you're going to improve. Like he averaged 27 points per game last year in his second season. 27-7-4, and four, basically. He was elite already. How much higher can he get? How much better can he get? I doubt that he really improves at all. He might improve on the margins, but that's not what a most improved player does. So these are the, the distinctions that you have to make in this particular award voting. Another one to think about, coach of the year, Michael Malone, plus 1,400. He is the 8th ranked candidate behind guys like Steve Nash, Eric Spolstra, Quinn Snyder, Billy Donovan, Steve Kerr, Monty Williams, Frank Vogel, and then you've got Michael Malone at eight. It's hard to vote for this award because the from year to year, it sort of changes what matters. Like I think you have Tom Thibodeau won the award last year for taking a New York team that was really bad the year before and then turning them into something that was good a lot of times it doesn't work like that. A lot of times you'll just go to the team that goes from like pretty good to elite, good to great, uh, kind of having that jump. It's very rare that you get the, the Thibodeau mentioned and, and things like that kind of in the middle of things usually it goes to a, a team where that, that team is the top two seed, but we'll just have to see. That's, that's not one that I would put money on. But if all these other ones are hitting, maybe that's something that you consider. Uh, Sixth man of the year. Denver doesn't really have a candidate here. Uh, if I were to bet on somebody, man, I don't even know who I would bet on from Denver. Um, they don't even really have anybody on the board. Uh, Jeff Green is on the board. At plus 6,500. I wouldn't bet on that. I just... It's going to go to a, a guard scorer. And so maybe Bones Highland is the guy that you're thinking about, but getting it as a rookie, that'll be, that'll be pretty impressive. Um, but the other one, the last one to really think about, team futures. You have championship winner. You have an over-under on wing on wins. You have winning the conference. And other things like that. Um, Denver's odds to win the conference next year are plus 1,000. Their odds to win the title are plus 2,200. 22 to 1. Those are interesting. Those are both interesting numbers that I would consider heavily. Uh, Just because if Jamal Murray comes back and you've already established sort of a baseline behind him. That includes MVP caliber play from Jokic. That includes hopefully a breakout from Michael Porter. You've got a year to figure it out with Aaron Gordon. I don't think I would pick it because I don't think that you can treat Jamal Murray as a savior. I spoke about this with uh with Matt Moore on the Locked on Nuggets podcast. I don't think that you should treat anybody like a savior. But if Jamal Murray, if all he needs to do is give you a boost And what you've really been doing up until that point is good enough, at least to get you there. Then there's something to be said for that. Plus 2,200. I hundred, I'd prefer those odds over the plus 1,000 to win the conference. uh, Just because I think that makes more sense. I think Denver can beat whoever comes out of the East. It's a weaker conference. Uh, Regular season wins, though. This is the one where Nuggets fans, it's the annual make money podcast, it's the annual make money bet that you get to make. The Nuggets have gone over several times on their preseason win total. Pretty sure it's the last five years in a row that they've gone over. Basically every year that Jokic has been on the team. Um am I wrong about that? Man. Let me just check to see. How many years has Jokic been in the league? Because I'm pretty sure that it's been an over every single time. Oh, he's been there six years. So pretty sure they went over six years in a row uh, outside of 2019-20 possibly. Um, and that was a, a shortened season where they didn't really uh, – yeah, that's that's a possible under. But that was an abnormal one. Uh, I think this is an easy over. I think Denver, like, in order to go over on this, you go 48-34. and 34. Denver this past year, like, they went 47 and 25 in 72 games this past year. They didn't have Aaron Gordon for most of the year. Michael Porter was a second-year player who didn't really know what he was doing for most of it, not most of it, but for a significant portion of it. Jamal Murray started off slow, then got hurt at the end, and yet they still did their thing. I think that this is a 50-win team pretty easily. Uh, they're going to they're gonna go over 50. And if they don't go over 50, then you can come back and yell at me. But there's a lot of money to be made on DraftKings, folks. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity. If you're a Nuggets fan, go take a look at those numbers. Go take a look at the, the odds that you get for projecting certain awards. Because there's a lot to think about. I will probably come back to the over-unders as we get closer to the season and go through them team by team because I think that's an interesting conversation in terms of projecting the league and thinking about who makes sense in which spot. But for now, I think that's pretty much all I have. So, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much for all of the love and support. I will be back on Monday. Hopefully, we'll have some new schedule stuff coming out this Friday. That should lead into the weekend. We'll have some content up on that over at Denver Stiffs. I think Tommy Knowlton's coming out with a new piece tomorrow, Thursday, uh, about uh, the the general NBA at large. And I'll be, of course, providing my own personal content. So, everybody, thank you so much for all the support. Appreciate you. We'll talk to you guys next week.